You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Well, today we're in part two of a two-week series that we started last week called Be My Witness. And we're talking about uh, our purpose, our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has a great purpose for your life. Today, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is calling us to be his ambassadors. Hold that thought for just a moment. Uh, Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been given the task of being a messenger? Like someone sent you with a message to someone else. How many of you remember the elementary school days? You ever had a friend who had a crush on someone? You know, of course, in elementary school, you can't tell somebody that to their face. So what did they do? They sent you to that person to find out, like, hey, what do you think about so-and-so, right? Like, do you think they're cute? Are you interested? Like, they sent you as the messenger, We used to pass notes. Anybody used to do that? We'd pass notes. We had a whole note system that was happening. It's amazing. We have all this technology to get people together today, apps and all kinds of stuff. Maybe we just need to go back to notes. Like, will you be my boyfriend? Yes or no, right? My girlfriend? Just keep it simple. (laughs) Work for me in the third grade. I'm just saying. (laughs) To be a messenger. To be a messenger. Maybe, how many of you ever had a manager ask you to put a memo out to the office? How many of you have ever been asked to, to, to put on an unpopular memo? Like, hey, letting you know that we're no longer going to have snacks in the break room. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> or how many of you maybe like you travel for work and your boss is like, I need you to get on an airplane and go to this meeting, right? I can't be there, but this client is really important. Like this account is too important. Like I need you to go represent me and get on a plane tomorrow and be a messenger. To be a messenger. That's what we're talking about. Today, and speaking of delivering a message, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul is writing to a local church, just like our church. He's writing to the Corinthian Christians, and he says this. Let's look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Paul says we're Christ's ambassadors, like Jesus is sending us into this world to bear his message and to represent him in in this world. What does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, for the purpose of today's message, let's define it this way. An ambassador is one with lesser authority who speaks on behalf of one with greater authority. That's what an ambassador is. It's to represent someone who has a greater authority. For example, from time to time, When there is a world event that requires it, what happens? Our government will send an ambassador who represents our country to go to some other part of the world to represent our government, to represent the president, right? For example, this past week, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, traveled to Ukraine to represent our government. Uh, He met with the the minister of defense there in Ukraine, he met with President Zelensky to stand with the Ukrainian people as they're in this counteroffensive, right? Trying to fight back the Russian army who's occupying parts of Ukraine right now. And it's a big deal when the Secretary of State shows up. Why? Because of who he represents. When he walked into, when he walked into that room, he carried an authority. Why? Because he represents the President of the United States. He represents the U.S. government. He represents all of us U.S taxpayers and our tax money and resources that Ukraine so desperately needs. That's what it means to be an ambassador. Someone with a lesser authority 
is sent to represent someone with greater authority. That's a picture of who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. How many of you know it's not about us? It's about him. It's about someone who we represent, our good God, who has a greater authority. And Paul tells us, like, this is our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors. We are sent ones, sent into this world with the message and the love and the goodness of Jesus Christ to represent him. Now, let's look at this verse again, verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I love that scripture. It's as if God himself is making his appeal through you and me when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, when we share the love of Jesus with someone, when we embody the love and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God, it's as if he's making his appeal through us. And as beautiful as that is, I know that for many of us, when we think about this idea of sharing our faith with others, for many of us, that's intimidating, isn't it? For many of you in this room, it's like, that's really intimidating. Why? For a lot of different reasons. I think for many of you would say, well, Pastor, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel adequate. I think many of us, when we think about sharing our faith, we're so mindful of our own stuff. Like, Pastor, I'm working through a lot of my own baggage, a lot of my own sins and temptations. Like, I don't feel really holy enough to share Jesus with someone else. I read a quote that really speaks to this. It's attributed to a pastor named D.T. Niles. He said, evangelism, which is simply sharing the good news of Jesus, is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I love that idea, right? It's not about how qualified you are. Like when it comes to the grace of God, we all come lacking. When it comes to the goodness of God, we all come undeserving. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's not about how good you are. It's about pointing people to the bread of life, to Jesus Christ, to the source of of grace. And it's just knowing how much you need it. The reason you can share it with someone else is because you're convinced of the reality of how much you need the grace of God. Not how much you have your life all put together not how much you're a perfect example of of the goodness of God. So I know we have other questions when we think about sharing our faith. What if I start sharing my faith, Pastor Jeremy, with someone and someone starts to ask me really big, deep theological questions and I don't know the answer? Or what if I share my faith with someone and they want to engage me in a debate about really confusing things about the Bible? Like in the creation story, where are the dinosaurs? Pastor Jeremy, where are the dinosaurs? Like, what do I do? How do I answer that? Y'all got to lighten up a little bit this morning. Come on, guys. Got to have a little fun in church, okay? Like, Pastor, what, what do I do if somebody wants to debate me? Or what if somebody is offended that I would bring up such an off-topic, you know, thing like religion? And let me just tell you something to encourage you. Here's what I've discovered when it comes to sharing my faith. It's not my job to force anyone to be open. That's the Holy Spirit's job. What I have learned in in years of ministering and pastoring, moving here to start a church, like it's not my job to force anybody to be open. That is the Holy Spirit's job. I can only reach someone whose heart is open. And if someone's heart is open, there's good news. That means the Holy Spirit is already at work. And some of you need to be encouraged in that way because many of you, you grew up in a church culture like me where this, there was this idea like we're going to argue our way into con, you know, convincing everybody that Jesus is the way by winning some argument, right? How'd that work out for you? 
And that's why many people kind of have overreacted, swung the pendulum the other way, and don't share their faith at all. And so today, I want to really encourage you, your job is just to be an ambassador, just to embody and carry the message in the love of Jesus, to be a witness. Last week, we said to be a witness. Think about it in the legal terms. What does a witness do? Any of y'all like legal shows, like legal and crime dramas? What does a witness do? A witness's job is to simply take the witness stand and point to the evidence a witness's job is not to be the judge. A witness's job is not to be the jury or the prosecutor. It's simply to testify to the evidence. Come on, that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. My job is to simply testify to the evidence of how Jesus Christ has made a difference in my life. That's a really good spot to say amen, somebody. That's what it means to be a witness. And so talking about Jesus and sharing our faith doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be scary. It can actually be a very natural thing if we just allow the Holy Spirit to gently work through our lives. And so I want to give you some encouragement around that idea today. You don't have to have all the answers. Uh, you, you, you don't have to engage every debate. It's just your job is to simply point people to Jesus Christ who embodies grace, grace and truth to point people to the one who has the answers. Take a little pressure off of you today. It's about being an ambassador. So I wanna give you three ideas today around being an ambassador for Christ. And really it's three things that you can share. And I want you to tune in today and recognize that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is something he's calling you to. Okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're here just checking out church for the first time in a long time or watching on this broadcast online because somebody shared it with you, you're off the hook today. You get to just listen in. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, this is something, church, that he's calling us to. So three ways to be an ambassador for Christ, three things you can share. Here's the first one. You can share your life. You can share your life. See, when we read the New Testament, it becomes clear that sharing our faith with other people is not really about yelling at people and winning theological debates. How many of you have ever seen someone like in the subway or on the street like yelling and shouting at people and preaching at people like through a megaphone or maybe holding up signs saying like turn or burn, like place your faith in Jesus or you're gonna go to hell. How many of you ever seen people like that? How many of you before you became a Christian, you were blessed by that? Like how many of you, you became a Christian because somebody on the street yelled at you and told you you were going to go to hell. And you were like, thank you so much for sharing this positive, encouraging message. Could you tell me more about that? Like, no, none of you. I was on the subway one time years ago coming home from, so I don't know what I was, I don't even remember what I was doing in the city, but I just remember it was late in the afternoon. There's a lot of people coming home from their commute. The train was packed. People were tired. Everybody had their AirPods on. And this guy gets up and just starts preaching. I mean, he's in everybody's face. He's like letting it rip, right? And you got to love New Yorkers because somebody can be like this close in your face, but they just have an AirPod on. They're just staring straight ahead. It's like you don't even exist. <laughs> They've seen it all, right? I saw somebody selling sharks out of a bucket in the subway one time. Come on, guys. Anything can happen in New York. Anything can happen in New York. It's great. So this guy gets up and he's preaching to all of these people. And here's your pastor sitting there. You're a Christian pastor. I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, please save us from your followers. Please save us from some of the people who give us a bad reputation as Christians. It's not about preaching at people. It's about sharing our lives. What do I mean by that? Let me show you some scriptures here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
The Apostle Paul's writing to the Christians in the church of Thessalonica, and here's what he writes. He says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul says, we didn't just preach to you. We didn't just share the message of the gospel with our mouths. That was important. But we loved you so much that we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with our lives. We lived among you. We loved you well. We preached the gospel with the way we lived among you. And then he makes this really practical in chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Look at this. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Come on, you got to love Paul. Paul says, you want to be a witness? You want to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Why don't you start really simple? Don't gossip about people. Mind your own business. Work really hard. Pull your weight at your, at your office, at your workplace, and live in such a way that people actually respect you. You want people to be interested in your faith? You want people to follow your Jesus? What if they actually respected you first? That would help. Simple. Start there. Live lives that actually are, are respectable. He's saying this, that the best witness is, is the one where people see the way we, we live our daily lives, and they're intrigued by it. But here's the catch, church. We have to live lives that are distinct enough from the world around us that people would actually take notice of the way we live. If we just live like everybody else, spend our money like everybody else, talk like everybody else, have the same priorities as everybody else, we won't make a difference. And so Paul says there's got to be something distinct about your life. There's got to be something different. Now, listen to me. I'm not talking about being weird, okay? We've all known weird Christians before. There are none present here today. I'm thankful for that. But we've all known weird Christians who had all the bumper stickers on their car. And they spoke like a whole different language called Christianese. And they kind of acted like they were from another planet. Hello. Let me just tell you, weirdness is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) I'm just telling y'all. Some of y'all come from churches where like it was like weirdness was one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not in the list. It's not there. God's not calling us to be weird. We're talking about living a life that is Christ-like, that is refreshingly different. Talking about the way you treat people. Are you a loving person? Are you a gracious person? Are you a forgiving person? Do you have a generous spirit? Is there anything different about your life that would catch someone else's attention? It's about being Christ-like, different in a refreshing way. Jesus said this to his disciples, to his followers. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached, he said this in verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, what did Jesus mean by this? When he's talking about salty, he's not talking about having an attitude, okay? I know that's the way we use the word salty now. In Jesus' time, Just like in our time, salt was an ingredient that people used to flavor their food. Aren't you thankful for salt? Your McDonald's french fries are not the same without salt. I know they may not be be good for you, but they sure do taste good, don't they? 
Salt is essential, right? It was an essential ingredient for seasoning food. But more than that, it was also used to preserve food. See, there was no refrigeration back then. So if you wanted meat to last, you had to, you had to salt it. Essentially, here's what Jesus is conveying. He's saying like, you are essential, just like salt is essential. Like you, you should have a distinct flavor if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Like you should be a source of life in a decaying world, in a world that is so often broken, in a world where there is so much pain in a world where there is so much longing for some, for some meaning and purpose. Here's what Jesus is saying. You carry my life-giving presence. Like, are you a breath of fresh air in the office? Are you a breath of fresh air in the workplace? Are you a breath of fresh air to your friends and your family and your neighbors and the people around you? And listen, Jesus is challenging us today. He's challenging his followers. Here's what he's saying. He's saying if you lose your unique calling and you lose sight of your role and your purpose as my disciples and you just blend in with everybody else, what use are you to the kingdom of God? What difference will you make for the kingdom of God? Jesus is, is issuing us a challenge today, not just to put our heads down and blend in, but to be his ambassadors. And so listen, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about progress. I'm talking about like, are you continually moving toward Jesus, following him with your life in such a way that your life is becoming distinct and noticeable to the people around you. Here's the idea. We become ambassadors when our lives become attractive and intriguing to the world around us. Three things to become an ambassador, three ways to become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, he's calling you to this. You can share your life. Number two, you can share your story. You can share your story. See, the most powerful tool that you have when it comes to sharing your faith is, is your story. It's not about winning theological debates with people. It's not about being able to answer every question that everybody has. Now, listen to me. Don't get me wrong. It is important to grow in your knowledge of scripture and your knowledge of the faith and Christian doctrine. Okay? I'm not de-emphasizing that. That is important. You should be growing in your knowledge of the faith. You're in the right place on a Sunday morning. In fact, we have a, a class that we offer, a special life group called Alpha. We'll be offering it in our winter cycle. And it's all about exploring the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. If you're interested in that, email Pastor Danya and she can put you on the list for the, for the winter. In fact, I'm going to be preaching a series on Christian doctrine, doctrine later on this fall. Why? Because it's important. I'm not de-emphasizing it. But here's what I want you to know. The most powerful tool that you have to be able to share your faith with people around you, to be an ambassador, is to share your story of what God has done in your life. There is nothing more powerful than that than to be able to share the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. Let me give you an example from the Gospel of John chapter 9. There's a famous story where Jesus heals a blind man. The disciples bring this blind man to Jesus and they ask a really bad theological question. They say, hey, Jesus, whose fault is it that this guy is blind? Like, did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, it's not about who sinned. You're about to see the power of God revealed. And Jesus heals this man's eyes. He spits on the ground and rubs clay in his eyes. Not my preferred method of being healed, but hey, whatever works. And he places his hands on this man's eyes and he's healed. 
It's an amazing miracle. And all the village people are coming out like, is this like the local blind beggar that we've seen like for years and nobody can believe it? And finally they have to go get his parents to prove that this man actually experienced the miracle. And they end up like telling the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the Pharisees aren't very happy about this miracle because they don't like Jesus. They're opposed to Jesus and his miracles and his ministry and how he's gaining popularity. And on top of that, they're offended because Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. And you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. And here's Jesus. How could he be from God if he is breaking the Sabbath and healing people? Hello, talk about missing the point. And so they're calling Jesus a sinner. And they begin to interrogate this formerly blind man about the validity and integrity of Jesus' ministry. And I want you to notice how the blind man responds. Look at this, John chapter 9, verse 29. He replied, whatever he is, whatever Jesus Christ is, a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Come on. Like, I was blind, but now I see. Here's this man, this man who was formerly a blind beggar. He could not go toe-to-toe with the religious leaders of his time. He didn't stand a chance at winning a theological debate with the religious leaders. But here's one thing he could do. He could share the difference that Jesus had made in his life. And how many of you know it's hard to argue with results? It's hard to argue with the evidence of life change. And here's what I want you to understand today, church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you too have a story. You have a story as well. I don't know what your story is, but it looks something like this. I was lost in my sins, but now I'm found. Come on, I was broken, and now I'm whole. I had a broken heart from a divorce, and now I'm walking in wholeness. I was bound by addiction, but now I'm set free. Come on, I was caught up in materialism in the rat race, but now I've been set free to have a generous spirit. I'm changed. Every one of us has some kind of story. And you might not have a dramatic story. Well, Pastor Jeremy, I wasn't saved off of drugs and out of a life of, you know, crime and being a gangster on the streets or whatever. (laughs) I get it. You might have a a story that dramatic. but, But let me ask this question. How is Jesus saving you now? How is he saving you and changing you and making a difference in your life? Like, who could you be apart from his grace? See, if you don't have an answer to that question that's fresh, I want to challenge you today and get a little bit more convinced that you're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. If you're not just mindful of who you could be apart from his grace, then maybe you've slipped into the religious routine of believing that there's something that you're doing to win God's approval. Let me give you an example. A few months ago, I was at a baseball game with, uh, for my son Michael, and we were sitting with one of the parents, one of the other parents whose son plays on Michael's team and she's a friend of ours and she knows we're pastors and we were just talking about raising kids and and faith and such and she was telling us about how I think she was telling us that she teaches her kids just to be a good person you know and at one point she turned to me knowing I'm a pastor she goes well Jeremy isn't that what you essentially do like don't you she just assumed like don't you teach people just to be a good person every week to be a good person and I was like well actually no that's not what we teach at our church (laughs) since you asked I'm like we actually preach the gospel the good news that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on our behalf, the life that we could never live on our own, and that we place our faith in him, and we're saved by grace. 
And so actually, I really don't think I'm a, a very good person. And then in a moment of self-deprecating humor with Amy there, I said, Amy knows who I can be apart from the grace of God, you know? And she was scandalized. Like her mouth fell open. Like she couldn't believe that essentially I, I, I don't think of myself as a pastor of being, you know, a really good person. She was just shocked by that. And in fact, we didn't end up having an argument about it. She's like, oh no, Jeremy, you're a really good person. I'm like, okay, if that's what you believe, go ahead, tell Amy. Let her hear how good of a person I am. Just sing it from the mountaintops for a moment. <laughs> but here's the point. The point is, I'm not standing up here today as your pastor because I'm convinced that how good I am and how much I have it all together. Oh, no, 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 no. I can stand up here Sunday after Sunday and passionately proclaim the gospel because I know how desperately I need what I'm preaching to you. I am one beggar telling a bunch of other beggars where to find fresh bread, the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, you have a story. Somebody needs your story, church. Somebody needs what you've been through. Somebody needs your experience. Somebody needs the, the, the story of the redemptive work that God has done in your life. It's as simple as being able to tell somebody the difference that faith has made, the difference that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ has made in your life. And let me just tell you something. It's hard to argue with results. It's hard to argue with the evidence of a changed life. Here's the third thing. We're talking about being ambassadors. We're his messengers. We embody the message as if God were making his appeal through us. What can we share? We can share our lives. We can share our, our story. And number three, we can share an invitation. We can share an invitation. What do we see in the life of Jesus? As Jesus was assembling his, his 12 disciples who would become the apostles, he had a really interesting and simple strategy to recruit them. He simply issued an invitation. He didn't send them to Bible college or seminary or make them jump through a bunch of religious hoops and ask them questions and put a lot of pressure on them. He simply said what? Come follow me. If you read the Gospels, you'll know this is what Jesus did. Come follow me. He issued an invitation that changed the lives of the disciples. And the disciples began to do the same thing. They called others to follow Jesus. Now, I want to show you an interesting example of this from John chapter 1. A little context here. What we find from John chapter 1 is that some of the very first disciples of Jesus were actually disciples of John the Baptist. They followed John the Baptist first. If you remember, John the Baptist was actually a relative of Jesus, and John the Baptist said that his job was to prepare the way for Jesus. He began to preach repentance, and he began to blaze the trail for Jesus who would come after him, okay? And so what we see is that some of the early disciples were following John the Baptist. When Jesus comes on the scene, John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's time for you to start following him. And so John the Baptist's disciples begin to follow Jesus. Let's look at this, John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said who had followed Jesus. In other words, he was one of the early disciples who, who did what John the Baptist said and began to follow Jesus. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew invited his brother Simon Peter to follow Jesus, and it forever changed the course of Christianity in the world. Because if you know anything about Peter, you know that Peter would go on to become 
one of the greatest apostles in all of the church. Peter would be a great leader in the church. It was Peter who God would use on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, who would get up and stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach a sermon, and 3,000 people would get baptized, and the church would be born. This is Peter who would passionately proclaim the gospel. Peter, who would do miracles. Peter, who was so anointed, the scripture tells us that when people came in contact with his shadow, they got healed. This is Peter who was used to write books in the New Testament. This is Peter who went to, to Rome and according to tradition was martyred, crucified upside down. And his testimony and his life reverberates throughout the centuries. Now, it's interesting, Andrew, his brother, we don't know much about Andrew. Andrew's one of those disciples that we don't get a whole lot of details about his life as we read the Gospels. And if you're like me, when I read about someone like Peter, he feels like he's in a whole nother category. Sometimes I feel like I could never be like Peter. Here's the reality. We can't all be a Peter, but we can all be an Andrew. We can't all necessarily do what Simon Peter did, but we can all do what Andrew did and issue our invitation. Don't underestimate the power of an invitation. In fact, I would venture to say the vast majority of us in this room and watching online, you're here today because somebody gave you an invitation. I just wonder by a show of hands in this room, how many of you, somebody invited you to church, this church or church when you were a child or somebody shared a social media post with you or somebody invited your family. Come on, just put your hand up. How many of you, you're here today because somebody issued you an invitation. Look around the room, how many hands are up in this room? Don't underestimate the power of an invitation. I'm here today because of an invitation. I want to share a story with you that I've shared before, and I'm going to start by having the team put an image on the screen. This is a picture of my grandmother's house. Uh, my grandmother passed away almost 10 years ago now. She was 96 years old, great woman of faith, kind of a spiritual patriarch in our family and in our city. And this is the home that she grew up in, in my hometown of New Orleans. And her house is what's called a shotgun house, which is a double that's really narrow and deep, very traditional in New Orleans, and it's a double like so many doubles that we have here in, in the New York City area. My grandmother grew up in this house, and my great-grandparents owned both sides of the house, but during the Great Depression, they were on difficult times like most people, and to make ends meet, they rented out one side of the house. And at this time, my grandmother was a little girl, and I think her family had some kind of traditional faith background. Maybe they were like Lutheran or Methodist, but they weren't actively involved in church. I don't believe my great-grandparents were actively involved in church. And during this time, a woman came to rent one side of the house, and she belonged to a small Pentecostal church, one of the only Pentecostal churches in the whole city back at the beginning of the early 1900s when the fire of the Holy Spirit was spreading all throughout the country through the Pentecostal movement. And this lady invited my grandmother to come to church along with her sisters as a little girl. And she came to that church and placed her faith in Jesus and her life was forever changed. And she would go on to have six boys, my dad and my uncles, and raised all of them in the faith to know Jesus. And many of them, most of them raised their families in church. And my dad would have four boys. And of course, my dad would go on to be a pastor and he would have four sons. And all four of us are in ministry some kind of way, leaders in the church, pastors in the church. And here I am raising my boys in the church to this day. Four generations of people impacted by an invitation. Impacted by an invitation from a lady who I will never meet 
until I get to heaven one day. I don't even know her name. This is our family story. We don't tell our immigration story. We tell, you want to know the Ziegler family story? This is the story we tell to our kids, that this lady invited my grandmother to church, and it changed our lives. It changed the trajectory of our family. Listen to me, church, never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. We can all leverage the power of an invitation. I got good news for you. You don't have to have all the answers to issue an invitation. You don't even have to have your life all put together to give someone an invitation. Remember, we're all just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. You can be messed up. You can be in process. Come on, we're all works in progress anyway. You don't have to have it all together to issue an invitation to invite somebody to discover the bread of life. Most people are one invitation away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. One invitation away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all of those hands who are raised in the room today, you're the evidence, you're the proof. And so why am I telling you all this? Well, last week we said this, and I'll say it again. We're coming into the fall and every fall as a church, we renew our focus on reaching unchurched people, on reaching people who need the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. We need to be plugged into a life-giving church. And so we're creating room and opportunities and spaces to, to reach out to people. So next Sunday kicks off our new fall schedule. We're gonna have three services, nine o'clock, 10.45, 12.30. We're gonna have Spanish translation at 12.30. Many of you are Spanish speakers and I wanna encourage you to invite your friends to come to that service in particular. Believe in God to fill this place. We're creating new opportunities and more space to reach people, amen? We're also kicking off a new series next Sunday called What's the Point? And this series is all about finding purpose when life seems pointless. How many of you have ever been through a season of life where you wonder, what was the point of all that? Like, why am I even going through this? We've all been there before. And guess what? Many of our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers are asking those same questions. And so in this series, we're gonna dive into those questions. We're gonna talk about discovering our purpose. We're gonna talk about healing from the past. We're gonna talk about how we can't go it alone and how we can get our lives moving forward and stop making excuses and, and move forward into our God-given purpose. And so this is gonna be a great series for you to invite somebody. And then every Sunday, over the next few weeks, we're gonna be doing some fun things just to make it easier for you to invite your friends. And so next Sunday, we're gonna have a petting zoo. Come on, where are all the animal lovers at? Come on, we're gonna have some, some sheep and some goats and a donkey's gonna be over there. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have fun, all right? The kids are gonna love it. So especially if you're a family, bring your kids. We're gonna have a crepe station making breakfast in here, making this place smell good next Sunday when you walk in. The kids are gonna have a bounce house in the back. Why are we doing all this? Like I said, it's to make it easy for you to issue your invitation. Every Sunday over the next few weeks in this series, we'll be doing some fun things. We've got invite cards for you. When you leave today, I've got mine sitting over there and I know who I'm gonna give it to. We've got invite cards for you to take. I wanna encourage you, would you take an invite card or two and pray about who God might be leading you to invite to our church for this series. And God can use this series to speak to their heart, draw them closer to himself. We also have some books for you. So this series is inspired by a book that our good friend, Pastor Matt Keller wrote. It's got a funny name. It's called Donkey Mission. And it's all about the story from 1 Samuel chapter nine, where King Saul goes on this seemingly pointless mission to find his father's donkeys. And spoiler alert, he ends up discovering his purpose. And so the book speaks to finding purpose in these seasons of life that feel pointless. And so the books are only $5. We have them in English and Spanish. They're priced very simply for you to get one, be able to buy one for a friend and put an invite card on the inside of it and invite them to join us for this series. So church, I wanna to remind today, Christ's ambassadors, 
Christ's ambassadors. We, we bear his message. We embody his presence in this world. It's as if he's making his appeal through us, the living God, our good God, our God of grace and love and mercy is wanting to make his appeal through us. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like seeing God work through your life to bring somebody else closer to Jesus. What could happen if we got intentional? What could happen if we got committed? What, what would happen if we stepped into our God-given calling to be ambassadors by simply sharing our lives with people, by sharing our story how Jesus has made a difference in our lives and by sharing our invitation. Here's what I believe. I believe over the next few weeks and months and over this next year, we could be celebrating life change. We could be baptizing some new people. We could be rejoicing as people come to this church and get connected in community and find relationships and find a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes their life. Amen. I believe we could be celebrating lives completely changed, just like my family was changed by that invitation that that woman issued to my grandmother. We could be celebrating lives forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you. We're going to worship to a final song. As I pray over you today, here's the good news I want to remind you that I reminded you of last week. When Jesus sent his followers, his disciples, into the world to be his witnesses, he didn't send them out alone. But he said, I'm sending you under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Let's ask him to help us. Come on, he's the one who's gonna give us the strength, the power, the courage, the faith. I'm praying for a, a special dose of Holy Spirit faith, Holy Spirit-inspired courage in your life to be the ambassador he's calling you to, to be. Would you believe with me today? Father, we thank you today. Jesus, we thank you that you are calling us as your church, as your followers, as your disciples, Lord, to be your messengers, to be your ambassadors in this world, to carry your presence, to carry your spirit, your goodness, your love to a world that so desperately needs your message in your life. And Lord, I thank you that, God, we're not going out under our own strength, under our own ability, but Lord, we're going out under the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I'm praying for the faith level to rise in this room. God, for us to believe that nothing is impossible for you, God. That, Father, you would remind us of just how far away from you many of us were. Lord, when you drew us to yourself, God, when you overwhelmed us by your love and your grace, when someone reached out to us in love and issued the invitation to us, God, if you did it for us, Lord, you can do it for others. God, you can blow our minds by what you can do. Father, no one is too far away that you can't reach them by your grace. And so, Lord, today we are choosing to step into our calling, Father, to be your ambassadors, to carry your presence and your message, and to simply point people to you, Jesus. We thank you for it. God, we're believing over the next few weeks. We're believing for the next few weeks for, Lord, life change to happen, for many people to find a relationship with you. And we thank you for it in advance, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.